you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. And two weeks in a row, with me is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, how is it going? Two full weeks. You know, if David Locke wasn't paying our bills here, I would be very tempted to change our name to Walked Off Dodgers instead of Locked On Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In case you missed it, the Dodgers won via walk-off. Once again, the 12th one of the season, this one came being down 2-0 in the ninth inning and without any home runs. Uh, so, of course, we're going to talk about that and kind of how you know fans should enjoy the season, especially a season like this that they've had, that the Dodgers had so far. In the second half of the show, we're going to address some questions from listeners about the rotation and comebacks slash walk-offs and one more thing, but we'll save it for the second half. Uh, before we start, a reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. All right, let's get into it. So, bottom of the ninth, Dodgers down 2-0. Had, what, one hit to that one point? One hit by Kenta Maeda. Yeah. So, uh, Max Muncy walked. Turner lined out slash flew out to right. And then Bellinger double, Seager double. And Kike walked it off on his bobblehead night. I had was very lucky because I didn't – I listened to some of the game, but I didn't start watching the game until Bellinger's at-bat. Uh, Jeff, how did the first half or the first eight and uh, eight and whatever innings go? And then, you know, let's talk about this this walk off. Yeah, it was kind of a classic pitcher's duel. Maeda looked really good. He, uh, in the second inning, I think it was, he gave up a run on a ground out. He gave up back to back hits and then got uh, two straight ground outs one to move the runners to second, third, one to score a runner. You know, no big deal. At the time, I even said, uh, in a conversation on Twitter that, that early in the game, I'm fine trading, you know, two outs for a run there. Um, and then he gave up a solo homer to Vlad Guerrero. Uh, really, that was, you know, he didn't have many bad pitches. Guerrero's a good hitter, you know, is what it is. But Kenta struck out nine in six innings, looked really good. Uh, the bullpen was really good again. Uh, Caleb Ferguson came in. He... Uh, he gave up a hit, I think, but but he looked sharp. Uh, Yimmy Garcia came in, one, two, three inning, three strikeouts, all looking, all borderline calls, but I mean definitely too close, too close to be taken with two strikes. Um, you know, so so he looked good. I think that's at least two straight appearances for Yimmy that he didn't give up a home run. And then Casey Sadler came in, pitched a, a great top of the ninth, and earned the win. Um, the Dodgers made Jacob Wagasback look like uh, Cy Young or something like that. Uh, like I said, he only gave up the one hit to Maeda. He was fine. He uh, he seems to at least 
in tonight's game, he was limiting hard contact. He wasn't striking out many guys, but guys were just missing it, you know, hitting, put a good swing on it and just get under it and, you know, hit a lazy fly out. Uh, a lot of that, Bellinger almost hit one out, it fly out to the to the wall in left field earlier in the game. Uh, but that was, you know, they didn't have much hard contact besides that. Um, and so he looked really good. And then, you know, they just got to Derek Law in the ninth. And I don't know, cause, so the Blue Jays had to bring in Law to, to get the last out of the eighth. And he got it on one pitch, which you'd think, okay, no big deal. But sometimes for relievers, it's just sitting down and then getting back up that, you know, I, so I don't know if that affected him at all. It wasn't noticeable. He wasn't, you know, you know, nothing jumped out as saying, oh, yeah, he's lost it. Uh, the Dodgers are good hitters. He was facing the, the good part of the lineup. And, uh, yeah, Muncie worked a tough walk. Uh, Turner hit the ball hard, but out right to the right fielder. And then Bellinger came up and just jumped on a pitch. He he, he didn't try to do too much. You know, obviously, Bellinger would have loved it a home run. Maybe it helped that they were down by two, so it wasn't a walk-off situation for him. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, he just put a good swing on it, ripped it down the line, got a double. Uh, he hit it too hard for Muncie to even have a chance at scoring. Uh, and in that situation, you definitely don't press your luck when you need two runs anyway. And then Corey Seager, doubles machine. Uh, he's been so good lately. That's his, I, I think, his 11th extra base hit in the last 10 games, uh, eight doubles and three homers. Uh, Corey Seager appears to be back offensively. And for me, that's the biggest takeaway of the night is that if Corey Seager's hitting, that's excellent news for the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's closing in on 40 doubles now. Uh, and that outside shot at 50 looks more like a very legitimate shot at 50. All right, so, you know, with this walk-off, uh, we know how some fans of the Dodgers and other teams are, you know, they try to diminish regular season wins because of postseason uh, results. And we've talked about this before, but, you know, just talk about a little, little bit more how you, know, you can enjoy the regular season and separate it from postseason. It's completely doable. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's, you know, we watch baseball to enjoy six or seven months of baseball. And right now, the only thing the Dodgers can do is play the teams on their schedule. And, you know, even though these games are kind of meaningless because the Dodgers are going to win their division, they're going to the postseason no matter what, I'm most likely there's not even much they could do to lose home field advantage throughout the National League side of the playoffs even. You know, it still matters for, for the World Series home field advantage. But I mean, these games are as close to meaningless as they can get. And, I mean, really, I, I joked with you, Vince, that – you watch the only part of the game worth watching. And that's kind of true. I mean, I was, I used to be a pitcher, so I like pitchers duels, but I mean, the game was kind of bland and lackluster, but then that ninth inning was magical. And the best part was I tweeted out in the, after the bottom of the seventh ended, I tweeted tonight's walk-off is going to be lit mostly because I wanted to prove that I could use the word like lit even here in my late forties, uh, you know, 42 is late forties, right? Anyway. Um, you know, because they still give us that hope. And being a fan of a team that makes you feel that way, that's awesome. And I, and I hope everybody is appreciating it and not just stressing about the World Series. You know, I mean, there's a chance the Dodgers won't even make it to the World Series this year. And, yeah, that would suck. 
and I will be sad if that happens. There's a chance they'll make it to the World Series and lose again, and I will be sad if that happens. There's a chance they might win it all, and that'll be awesome. Uh, but none of that, any of those results won't change the fact that the last two nights we've gotten walk-off Dodger wins that were really, really fun and exciting and made us happy. And baseball is a stupid, dumb, unimportant thing that we all love. And we get six months of watching a really, really good baseball team. And they do this stuff really regularly for us, making us really think, wow, this is a fun game. And none of that goes away, no matter what happens in October, good or bad. None of that will change the fact that, you know, I'm going to bed smiling tonight. And and that's good, right? Yeah, exactly. You got to live in the moment, enjoy all the moments, uh, you know, because really what is worrying about postseason right now? There's a reason that teams that aren't good still celebrate walk-off wins or wins in general because it's in the moment it's fun to win. And, uh, you know, just remember that as we go along. I'm sure hopefully they'll – Add a couple. Oh, we'll see. We'll see if they add more walk-offs or not. But uh, if you can't sit and enjoy a season like this, then I feel sorry for you. Yeah, and that's not to say that I don't care if they win the World Series, because I really, really want them to win the World Series. Uh, I'm not saying that anybody should be satisfied with this. I'm just saying enjoy it while it's happening, and remember that no matter what happens happens in October, we still got these six or seven months of really, really fun baseball. Yep. All right. Uh, that'll do it for the first half. Like I said, we'll come back in the second half and talk about some questions we got from listeners. Uh, but before that, this is relevant to me now because I missed mo- part of the game because I was doing a fantasy football draft. So if you do play fantasy football, Please, please, please listen to our guy, Vinny Iyer, over at Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny's been in the game 20 years covering fantasy football. He's not giving you what everyone else is giving you. He's giving you the edge. So get that edge uh, ahead of draft day or on draft day or as the season goes on. Just hop on, subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Football wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be right back. Oh, hey, Vince. So it's 10.38 p.m. on a Sunday night where I am, and I really, really want some chocodiles. You know chocodiles, right? They're like Twinkies, but covered in chocolate? Yes, I've heard of them. I want some chocodiles, but I don't have any chocodiles here. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live like this? Well, fortunately for you, there is something called Postmates, and Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery, a.k.a. chocodile delivery service all year round. No, I said chocodiles. Nobody's going to deliver me chocodiles. You really think Postmates will deliver, deliver me chocodiles? Well, anything you're craving, which is chocodiles at this moment, yeah. Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all restaurants, grocery stores, convenience stores, and traditional retailers. Anything you could possibly want or need, they can get it. But it's 1038 on a Sunday night. Well, the good thing about Postmates is that it's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and whatever you want will get there within the hour. I don't even know where the store is, though. The good part is you don't need to know where the store is, you know? You just, they'll find the store, they'll bring it to you, no more trips, you ain't got to get up, you ain't got to put clothes on, stay in your your shorts, and, 
you know, let them bring it to you. Yeah, let's pretend I have shorts on. Um, <laughs> well, that all sounds really great. Now, if Postmates would just develop an app so I could do it from my phone, we'd be set. Well, once again, you are in luck. The Postmates app is available for iOS or Android for free. You can browse all the restaurants, all the businesses, all the stores that you want, and track your delivery in real time. They're going to pr probably charge me a ton to deliver, though, aren't they? Actually, because you listen to, or because you're part of Lockdown Dodgers, and because you listeners are listening to this show, Postmates is giving you guys $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start those free deliveries you just got to download the app use code lock on and you got a hundred bucks of free delivery for a week so anything you need anytime you need it even chocodiles maybe especially chocodiles postmate it download postmates and save with the code locked on all right we are back and obscure dodger former dodger of the day time uh no rhyme or reason to today's guy, although it did work out. I searched for 2,000 Dodgers just to find a guy, and it worked out that I found a guy that was with the Blue Jays and the Dodgers. Uh, he is from Kingston, Jamaica. That's where he was born. Any guesses, Jeff, with that? Oh, Jamaican baseball player. Um, I, ooh, I, I, It's on the tip of my tongue. What's his initials? D.W. D.W. I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Devon White. Oh, yes. Yeah. Devon White was drafted by the California Angels back in 1981 in the sixth round. Came up with the Angels, then played with the Blue Jays, a couple years with the Marlins, a year with the Diamondbacks, two years with the Dodgers, and finished his career with the Brewers. Um, in terms of Dodger memories, not too much. He had a decent year in 1999, 14 home runs, a 744 OPS, uh, 19 stolen bases. He's a guy that was just a you know a, a back in the day a, a solid type player. A few All Star games, a bunch of Gold Gloves, uh, pretty good out in center field. I don't have any Dodger memories of him. But that's who I picked for today because it worked out that he played for the two teams I played last night. Yeah, it's uh, for Devon White. The sad thing about his time with the Dodgers is it was after he was no longer good in center field. Because when he was younger, when he was at the Angels and even with the Blue Jays, he was really, really good in center field. Uh, like, really good defensively, fun to watch. Yes. I mean, seven, even seven gold gloves in eight years. Yeah, and, and he deserved them. You know, Derek Jeter won gold gloves that he didn't deserve, but Devon White deserved his gold gloves. He's a guy who, even though he had a 98 career OPS plus, so just slightly below average offensively, he had 47.3 war in 17 seasons. Like, that is a great career. And a lot of that was, you look at his defensive war on baseball reference, 1989, 2.8 war just on defense. 1992, 3.9 war just on defense. Um, I mean, he was... He was an MVP caliber player for a couple of years. Uh, he was kind of kind of like uh, Andrelton Simmons lately, you know, where he gets some value from his offense, but then a ton of value from his defense. And uh, yeah, I, I always forget that he ever played for the Dodgers. That time period, 99, 2000, I was in college and didn't watch a whole lot of baseball. Uh, and so I forget that Devon White played. I still think of him as an angel, even though he won the World Series with the Blue Jays, I think. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Devon White was a really good baseball player, but just not when he played for the Dodgers. Yep. All right, let's move on. We had a few questions this week from listener or the last couple of days. Uh, we'll start off one that's still relevant with our walk-off talk from Alex Alv 310 on Instagram. He wanted us to talk about having – he said 11 comeback wins, 11 walk-off wins. This was before the 12th walk-off win. He wants to know, is it good or bad? He's glad that the Dodgers get the win, but – he thinks it might be bad if they have the lead and give it away and then win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walk-offs are an interesting thing because they're super exciting, but they also mean you came close to losing. It's kind of like teams that have good extra innings records. It's like, you know, cause I mentioned it like the giants when the giants thought they were making a push right before the trade deadline because they won like 20 out of 23 games, but seven or eight of those games went to extra innings. So it's like, okay, well they're, a couple bad hops away from being like 500 in their last 23 games and, you know, uh, almost all chance and, and walk-off wins are kind of the same way, uh, or at least intuitively they are, but they actually had this question on effectively wild, which is my favorite, uh, baseball podcast that I don't host. Um, and somebody asked them specifically about the Dodgers. This was when they only had 10 and Sam Miller did some research and basically looked at, uh, teams with the most walk-offs and their overall record and basically said, how do, does the number of walk-off wins correlate to the quality of a team? And the fact is, uh, it, there is a, a pretty decently strong correlation. Better teams have more walk-off wins in general. Uh, and so the fact that the Dodgers have a lot of walk-off wins means that they're getting a lot of wins. And in those close games, they are doing what it takes to win. Uh, you know, obviously the games like the first game of the series where they win 16 to three, those are fun and not stressful. And, and those are always, uh, enjoyable too. We wouldn't want walk-offs every night. I don't think because it does get stressful. Uh, but, uh, walk-offs do actually correlate pretty well with team quality. Now, game two of this series, when they were up one, nothing and blew that lead, obviously I think even though Muncie's walk-off homer was awesome, I think we would all be happier if Kenley had just come in and shut down the Blue Jays and they won one to nothing. Even though it robs a walk-off homer from Muncie, you know, Bueller gets a win, Kenley gets a save. I think we'd all be happier with that. Uh, but there's something about a resilient team getting these walk-offs that is special. Yeah, at the end of the day, a win is a win. Uh, in the postseason, if the Dodgers walk off 11 times, I've, which is not uh, – yeah, it is possible. I don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, when is a win? Obviously, if – I mean, we didn't go back and look at it, but if all the walk-off wins were a direct result of the bullpen blowing the game and then the Dodgers winning it, and yeah, it might be a little bit of a deal, but, I mean, like – Most of them aren't. Yeah, like last night, they were down 2-0 the whole time, and – came back and won that's a good win it does um, that's not a bad win so uh it just depends but for the most part if you get the win that's all that really matters nobody cares how you got there yep um all right next question from duran at duran boz uh sorry if i pronounced that wrong he wants to know why the Dodgers don't try matt Beatty as lead off instead of jock peterson yeah and i mean i think i'd rather 
just try Matt Beatty as everything instead of Jock Peterson, but I know not everybody agrees with that. Jock does have a lot of power. He's had a lot of big hits for the Dodgers. Lately, he's been really bad a lot. And, you know, Beatty, I... When Beatty comes up, I like his chances better. Just kind of the, the dynamic we talked about with Will Smith, where you know you're going to get a good at bat. And I don't feel like we always get that from Jock. And I feel like we get it more often from Beatty. Um, when it comes to leadoff, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on record as saying I'm not a fan of Jock at leadoff. I understand Dave Roberts knows his team. He does things not just... His goal isn't to maximize the chances of winning that game every day. His goal is to maximize their chances of being overall the most successful. And some of that has to do with trying to get Jock going. You know, we saw it earlier in the season when he kept playing Chris Taylor, even though Taylor didn't deserve to be playing. That has paid off. You know, we saw it with Jock last year playing Jock when he didn't deserve to play. That paid off last year. So, you know, yeah, it's not the, I guess the other thing is lineup construction isn't that important. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to miss out on much by having Jock bat lead off. But yeah, if we're making, I don't think we're going to see Jock batting lead off in the postseason if he's hitting the way he's been hitting lately. Uh, I think right now they're not focused on winning every single game, like maximizing those chances. He's trying to, to, look at the big picture and that means jock batting leadoff sometimes. Yeah. I mean, realistically this question is more why is Mbady playing instead of Jock? And you know, it's just a, a matter of you know, that's just how it is. Jock was the guy coming into the season and uh they're gonna give him every chance to succeed or fail and, and they've done it with a bunch of guys and it's worked with a bunch of guys. So that's pretty much just how it is. Yep. All right. Should last I read question. the last one? Yeah, go ahead. All right, from our pal at AC11 Daily. He says, with how dominant the top three in the rotation have been, who today would you give road game 3-2 in a playoff series? So, you know, this is kind of looking at it not from who deserves to be the number one starter, but which two of the big three do you want pitching at home and which one do you want pitching on the road? Yeah, we might have touched on this before. And for me, it's... Almost like it depends on where the series is. And I know it's going to, once they kind of set the rotation in the first series, that's kind of how it's going to be the rest of the way. Uh, You know, if they play the Nationals in the first round, uh, that stadium doesn't really, you know, play any differently, I don't think, than most stadiums. So in that sense, I'd like Bueller at home and, and Kershaw's fine on the road. He's pitched there before. Uh, but I think it, when it comes to – if you just skip ahead to if a potential AL team in the World Series with the Yankees and the Astros, both small stadiums, I think I'd rather have Bueller get the ball on the road if the Dodgers have home field advantage because Kershaw's stuff is more susceptible. He's playing a little bit more to contact. Uh, you know, A lot of 320-foot home runs are very possible when Kershaw's – it's very possible when Bueller's pitching, but I think – Kershaw's playing the contact a little more and pitching at Dodger Stadium in that sense would help him out, whereas Bueller, his stuff's a little more strikeout heavy and he can kind of pitch anywhere. So I think it kind of depends on the moment. Uh, I think right now, if they went at it, Bueller's getting the ball in game three regardless of where they're playing. But if it is you know, more of a neutral stadium, I'd say Kershaw in game three. Yeah, and 
yeah, Yankee Stadium is a tough one because, you know, the counterpoint to what you said is Bueller's a righty, which may, and right field is the short fortune in Yankee Stadium. And so the left-handed hitters kind of have an advantage pulling the ball to right field. And so, you know, that might argue in favor of starting a lefty there. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. Oh, ultimately, I think they probably won't worry too much about that. Um, you know, I think all three guys are better at home. And, you know, they might go with Kershaw in game three just because he is the most experienced. Um, and, and they could sell it to him that way anyway. You know, I, I don't know how Kershaw's ego is doing with being diminished. It's tough to tell. He seems happy. But, you know, uh, we we saw he was going to be the opening day starter this year until he was hurt. Um, and so that kind of made Robert's job easier, uh, even though it's not like anybody knew at the time that Ryu deserved to be the opening day starter over Kershaw, uh, but it worked out that way. But yeah, in the postseason, it'll be interesting. Last year, they did start Ryu in game one and Kershaw in game two against the Braves. And I'm interested to see if they figure out a way to bump Kershaw to, to game three this year. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But uh, at the end of the day, realistically, if they're going to pitch well, they're going to pitch well. So, yeah, that's how it'll be. All right. Uh, thank you guys for your questions. Remember, anytime you guys have questions, you can tweet at us or uh, message us or comment on one of our photos on Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Thank you for listening. This is the final episode of this week. The Dodgers have the series with the Yankees coming up this weekend. Uh, a big series in some people's minds. Uh, in my mind, it's you know it's just another series. It'll be nice to see how they play against the Yankees, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just a regular season series for now. But we'll see how it goes. We'll be back on Monday to talk about that. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, wherever you think we sound best. Himalaya, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, but if you do not use Apple, but you have the app on your phone, if you want to subscribe on there, that would greatly benefit us. If you like the show, please show us by subscribing, like we said. Downloading, listening every day, telling anybody you know that would be interested in listening to our show. And rating and reviewing us. We had a pretty decent week for ratings. Uh, I think we got a couple reviews, but it said the number of downloads every day greatly, greatly uh, outweighs the number of ratings and reviews we have. So we, if you guys have the time, please go do that. Uh, I already gave you our social media at Locked On Dodgers, Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Vince Samperio. If you want to call, leave us a voicemail. Please do so at 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-LOCK. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. I say D-O-D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard. Oh, hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!